Good morning. Welcome to Boiling Springs Baptist Church. We are glad that you are here with us this morning. Uh, for those of you who have been here the last two weeks, I have been out of commission. I had the flu for a week, and then I had the stomach bug last week. So it's been a, it's been a fun two weeks um, in the Newcomb household. Uh, but I appreciate those who have checked in on me and Mary, and uh, we're glad to be back this morning. The sanctuary flowers that are here um, are from the garden of Irene Murray, and we're grateful to have them here this morning. Uh, this arrangement is done in memory of Reed Murray uh, and in honor of Irene. And so we wanted to take note of those flowers that are here in the front of our sanctuary this morning. We are very glad that you have chosen to worship with us at Boiling Springs Baptist this morning. It is great to see all of your faces, um, and we hope that we would now prepare our hearts for worship. Our hymn is number 482, Here I Am, Lord, 482. If you are able, please stand and join in singing.
This morning is a special day for um, not only a family in our church or families, but uh, for our church body as a whole as we dedicate James David Webb to the Lord. I'm going to ask Stephanie and Justin and Mr. James David, and is Luke coming up here as well, to join us this morning? And let me at this time also remind our church family, you have an insert in your bulletin this morning as we move forward uh, during this time of child dedication that we encourage you to be a part of as well. And your time will come a little bit later uh, on the back there. But um, we are excited for you guys and excited for this day. And let me remind us of why we're here. As the family of God, we uh, we rejoice in God's good gift of life through the miracle of birth. Today we join with the parents of James David Webb in embracing their child with open arms. Even as Jesus welcomed little children and their mothers with words of blessing, we acknowledge God's abounding love already at work in James, and we come today to pledge ourselves in covenant to nurture him into fullness of life. And before Ellen continues, let me just say a word of welcome to both Stephanie and Justin's parents. We're glad you're here today. Today we celebrate miracles. For life is God's most precious gift. We hold in our arms the present of God, lovingly shaped in the image of God, named out of our most sacred faith in what God continues to do, our deepest hopes for the future, and our abiding love for each other and this community. You hold in your arms a marvelous incarnation of love made flesh in relationship, of potential being realized in the wonder of individual growth. We are in awe of our responsibility and our privilege. Our joy is being made far more complete in this lifelong investment, this lifelong commitment. From the heart of God into the heart and arms of this community. We are Not only as a family of adults, but as a family of children, we have a responsibility to James. So I'm asking the children to participate today and to ask them if they are willing to love James. Are you children willing to love James? To take care of him during times when he doesn't always feel loved in church? to pick him up and touch him. Share your faith, share your love. Are you willing to be that extra special brother or sister to James? Are you will? Yes, you are. I see you shaking your head. You are too, aren't you, Piper? James is a special one for us today. We all take time to love and honor him and Luke 
and his mom and dad. Parents, with gratitude to God, do you receive this child as a precious gift of God? And do you seek God's grace and this community's support in nurturing and caring for this child? Do you covenant to remain faithful in love to your child, whatever the future may bring? Do you promise before God and this community to fashion your lives so that your child may come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior? We do, with God's help. We now ask that the congregation stand, if you are able, in support of this family. The church, as a family of God, gladly joins you in holy covenant for the care and nurture of James. Do you promise, as a community of faith, to surround this family with your love for the strengthening of their life together, to be for these parents and this child a family in Christ whose love for them cannot be broken, to accept this child into your loving care for shared responsibility in his growth, toward fullness of life in Christ, to tell this child the good news of Christ, and to help him learn Christ's ways and to lead him in service to God and neighbor. You may be seated. Thank you. I would like to take this time to introduce you to James David Webb. His grandfathers are sitting on this front pew up here, and they gleam with pride in this young man. His mom and dad are active members of our church. Stephanie has had her hand in many of the logos that you see around our church. Justin is a deacon, and they're both active in Joel Dobbins' Sunday school class. James has a big brother, Luke, who dearly loves Luke most of the time. But he's told me when Luke puts, Luke has told me when James David puts that car in his mouth, he's no longer allowed to use his cars and trucks. <laughs> Stephanie shared with me that before she married, someone shared with her something very special. She said, Stephanie, find someone to marry that you want your children to grow up to be just like. She and Justin met at Garden Web, and she found the man who would raise her children. Justin is a special man, a special dad, as Stephanie is a mom. He is patient and kind. He takes time to teach his boys what they need to know. He loves to work with his hands as he works at Walker's Woodworking. I saw him make a racetrack for his son's birthday so that they could play with their Hot Wheels. He reads to them. He takes them fishing. Stephanie is a stay-at-home mom now after 10 years at Isothermal. She loves being at home and having that special time that she can share and do things with her children. She is a freelance web designer, but she loves the fact that her children are at home with her, even as she prepares to send Luke to kindergarten. Our church is blessed with a child, with a brother, with a family, with an active faith and walk in God. Let us take time now to say thanks to this family. Stephanie, we would like to present you with this small Bible 
in honor of this special day and also a certificate um, of dedication for James David Webb. But we rejoice with you and with James David and with this little guy here. And uh, this is truly a special day. Please turn in your hymnals to number 529, See the Children Here Before Us. If you are able, please stand and join in singing hymn 529. I pray this morning, I would like to just remind you of a few concerns that I would like to encourage you to pray with me about. Um, one, some of you are aware, but Brittany Lale, Brittany Lale's dad, Doug Loveless, is in the hospital in Charlotte in quite serious condition, and we want to remember him this morning. Also, Charlotte Tilly, who came home from Charlotte Hospital to White Oak, is now back in Shelby Hospital, recovering uh, from some uh, medicine maybe that needs to be regulated. And so of all the things that could have been the case, we are glad that uh, she will be coming back to White Oak. But let's remember Charlotte and also Heather Bridges as she continues her uh, treatment for chemo. She has received two uh, treatments now, and we want to remember her. Um, many of you or some of you had texts this week or were concerned about Renee. She is a student at UNCC on, in a master's program on Monday and Wednesday evenings. She was not there on Tuesday night when uh, the event occurred there at UNC, UNCC. And so be in prayer, though, for all the students, faculty, staff, law enforcement, families, obviously, of those that have passed and families that are involved in this tragedy. Uh, it was a sad news to hear this. I believe it was Tuesday night. And so please continue to remember in prayer everyone uh, involved in that situation. Let's go to the Lord now in prayer. 
Gracious God, we thank you for the gift of life. As we see little James David Webb this morning, Father, we're all reminded that you came into this world as a baby and that you lived and, of course, died and rose again to be victorious over sin in the grave. And, Lord, because of that, we have hope and we have victory. As we think about young lives that are before us, many are on the front row this morning and many still in our sanctuary today. And, Lord, we have been given, truly, a challenge and a message um, to communicate not only with our words but through our actions and through our very lives what it looks like to walk with Jesus. So Father, help us to be faithful in that. Lord, we thank you for gifting each of us with different skill sets and talents and abilities and we thank you for the one with us this morning from Gardner Webb who we'll be sharing in a moment. And Lord, help us all as we think about the skills and talents that you've given her. Help us to remind ourselves that Lord, you have blessed each of us with a spiritual gift and help us to be faithful in using that for your glory. God, we lift up these today who are hurting and struggling and we do pray for your healing touch. Not only the names that have been mentioned, but Father, others that go unmentioned and unnamed this morning. Father, you know them and we do pray that as a church family, we can reach out where we see a need and Father, whether that need be a health concern or whether we see that need simply being some, offering some encouragement or maybe challenge at times, help us to be faithful in doing that as well. Father, forgive us for where we often fall short. And Lord, we pray that in those days that we would be reminded of your grace and your mercy that is new every morning. God, we do ask for your blessing on the remainder of this service and all those, the things that have taken place to this point. Father, we pray that your name would be lifted high today as I drove in this morning and as I look up, the, the highest point on this church facility is that cross. And Father, we pray that not only have we lifted high a physical cross, but Father, we pray that we would lift high that cross of Christ in our lives through our words, our music, our prayers, the scripture and the sermon this morning. Father, it is our desire to worship you today and to leave had, having been challenged, Lord, convicted of sin. Father, move us and stir us in new ways today that when we leave, we'll say, it's good to have been in your house. Father, we pray this prayer in the name of Jesus, the name that is above all names. Amen. Good morning. You know, it's really hard to believe it's been a full year since we last presented uh, our last Bob Beeson scholarship, but that just shows you how time flies. This year is actually the 18th uh, annual Bob Beeson scholarship. It's uh, awarded in honor and memory of Bob Beeson. And for those of you in our congregation that may not have had the privilege to, to meet Bob Beeson and know who Bob was, I'll try to give you a very brief description of Bob Beeson and his love for music. Uh, Bob was a local pharmacy here in Boiling Springs, as many of you may remember. And I do remember Bob when he was uh, a pharmacist in Boiling Springs. It was right down on the corner at our one stoplight, the stoplight in Boiling Springs. Uh, it's right there on the corner where Campus Pizzeria is now, across from CVS. Uh, Bob, <clears throat> as a pharmacist, he was not only his job to try to help people and heal people that were hurting and sick at the time. That was not Bob's major goal. Bob's greatest goal was to help heal their hearts and souls. You know, I've heard many stories, I just heard a few this past week of Bob and how many people and many friends and family would stop in to speak with him. And those folks knew they were gonna be getting advice not only from a well-educated man, but a man that actually seeked 
the face of his Lord and Savior every day. He walked, he walked the walk that he talked. So Bob also had a passion for feeding people. He loved to cook, he loved to fish. And Bob would fish and he would, he would gather up all the fish that he had and he'd have a fish fry over at his house. And I, I can imagine him and Iva Jean scrambling, fixing and preparing the fish for everybody. I can also imagine too, there were some pretty significant fish stories around the table there too, knowing Bob. So, and I also think, and somebody can correct me if I'm wrong, I think we also still use Bob Beeson's pancake recipe for our Easter breakfast that we have every Easter. So his legacy truly does still live on with us. Uh, I was personally able to experience, you know, Bob's love for music and for his fellow man. When my family and I first came to Bowling Springs, uh, not long after that, I was invited to join the choir. And one of the sweetest ladies that I've ever known in my life, Miss Ruth Hamry, she invited me to come to choir and join the choir. So I went to, I went to choir practice and I can clearly remember the first night that I went to choir practice. Ruth was sitting to my right. She made sure I sat right beside her. And brother Ed White was to my left. And right, yes, directly behind me was Bob Beeson. And those folks made me feel so welcome, I can't begin to tell you. I felt like I was at home and like I had always been there. And I can vividly remember Bob leaning up and putting his hand on my back and saying, hey, you know, it's awful nice to have a young new tenor in our choir. We're so happy to have you. So, I mean, his fellowship and his love, it meant the world to me. And, you know, I'd, and I'll, I'll never forget that. And one thing that really resonated with me was the fact that during this time, Bob was battling cancer. I mean, he struggled greatly with cancer. But you know, it never stopped Bob from being at choir practice and it never stopped him from being sitting in the choir on Sunday mornings. And I'd think to myself, why in the world does Bob just not take some time off? He didn't have to be up here. He doesn't have to be doing that. But I later understood why. Bob had a great passion and a love for music. And he loved to worship his Lord and Savior through music. And it was his goal to reach the hearts and souls of other people through music. And he didn't want to miss the opportunity to be a part of that. That's the one thing that, I do, that greatly stands out in my mind about Bob Beeson. You know, um, it's rare that you see that. He was a member of this choir for almost, well, for 50 years. 50 years he was a part of this choir. That's a pretty amazing feat to sing in a choir that long, especially in the one church. So the thing that I'd like to uh, do at this moment, if everybody would, who was uh, part of the music committee, that was part of the aud auditions that these three ladies that uh, perform for us. If you would please stand up so everyone can see who was part of the music committee. So these are the folks that were jointly together that we took the applicants. Uh, they all applied via written application and they also, all three of them auditioned for us and performed. So with nothing else to, to get in the way, I'd like to go ahead and go to the process of this year's selection. So um, I tell you, they were, it was a very difficult selection process this year. We had very, three very talented young ladies that truly loved the Lord. And it was a difficult selection process this year and I, we had to deliberate for quite some time to, to make that section, the selection. And I will say Garden Webb is truly blessed to have these three ladies a part of their student body. So at this time, I'd like to uh, introduce you 
to this year's recipient uh, of the Bob Beeson Scholarship, Miss Madeline Bain. And I'll, I'll read for you very quickly Madeline's uh, application that she submitted to us so you can understand what uh, Madeline's doing at Gardner-Webb and what she's been doing outside of Gardner-Webb serving the Lord. And this is on her application. Since December, I have served as interim music minister at East Belmont Baptist Church. In this role, I coordinated choir music, congregational worship, and scripture for Sunday worship. My membership is at First Baptist Cramerton, where I've been involved in choir, missions, and youth ministries since 2012. My goal is to share the love of Christ through sound, through sound teaching and to provide worship music that glorifies the Lord. My time at, at uh, East Belmont Baptist Church has shown me God's provisions and I plan to remain in this position indefinitely and I will pursue additional ministry opportunities as the Lord leads. So Madeline, we are honored to have you as this year's recipient of the Bob Beeson Scholarship. I would like to say that Sherry Beeson Starnes was unable to attend today due to some back problems, but she wanted to extend the love to you of her father and of this award also too. So without further ado, I'd like to give you this and then you can address the church. Thank you. Um, I just wanted to say thank you to all of the congregation, um, specifically the music committee, for sharing God's love with me. Um, it's been a pleasure just meeting all of the people that I've met so far. Um, God's love just radiates throughout the congregation. Um, and thank you for allowing me the opportunity to share God's love with others through education. So, um, and now I think I'm supposed to sing for you all. So. <laughs>
Here I am, Lord, send me. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you for the words of that great hymn we sang a few minutes ago, and I just pray that we will say that. Here I am. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to give back just a portion of what you have given to each of us. Lord, we don't deserve all that we keep for ourselves. And I pray that you will help me and help each of us to examine our lives and look at what we are doing, not only with our money, but with our time and with our talents and with our minds and help us to use it for you. Bless this time, bless this offering, bless the gift and bless the giver. For it's in your name that we pray. Amen.
One of the central questions that James will ask and that um, Madeline has asked herself and that you and I ask on a frequent basis is what is God's will for my life? This is not a six session or a six week sermon series or eight week or we could spend much longer than that answering that question, but I'm gonna venture to do something this morning. I'm gonna make a promise to you this morning that I've never made to any congregation or to this congregation in the past and I'm gonna reveal God's will for your life this morning uh, in my sermon. I've never said that, now I don't have a crystal ball or anything like that up here, but in just a few moments, I'm gonna reveal God's will for your life. And so if you listen to the scripture, Uh, with a receptive heart, I think you may pick up on it as we read through. But if you could turn in your Bibles or your devices to John chapter 21, uh, the scripture will be on the screen this morning. But uh, we're going to be looking at another post-resurrection account that we have in John's gospel. John is the only one that gives us this story that happened following uh, the days of Jesus's resurrection. So in the gospel of John chapter 21, we find these words. After these things, Jesus showed him Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he showed himself in this way. Gathered there together were Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. Now, let me just stop right here and just say, I'm going to pause for a few moments at this point of the reading of the scripture before uh, we get into the sermon, just to kind of allude to a few things. And the first thing that I get in mind that I jotted down right here is somebody's got to go to work. Simon Peter's like, you know, what, what's, what's going on here? And so Simon Peter says to these others by the shore, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we will go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, children, you have no fish, have you? And they answered him, no. They thought this was the voice or could be the voice of a buyer that maybe would want to buy some fish. And they were letting them know that they have, or those in the boat, letting them know that they have no fish to sell. He said to them, cast the net to the right side of the boat and you will find some. It is possible that someone standing, for those of you who who do fish, it's possible that you know that someone standing by the shore could possibly see some things because of the angle of the water and the fish underneath that maybe someone standing right on top of the water could not see. It's possible. So Jesus says to them, cast it on the other side and you will find some. So they cast it and now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. The disciple whom Jesus loved, being John, said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes, for he was naked. This was his working attire, most likely, but to greet someone, he would have put on his robe, and so that's what he did as he jumped into the sea, the scripture says. But the other disciple came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, only about 100 yards off. So the impulsive Peter jumps in the water to swim to Jesus. When they had not gone, excuse me, when they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal charcoal fire there with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. 
Jesus came and, and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? It could have been these things. Jesus may have been waving his hand, pointing at the boat or the fish or the nets. He may have been um, pointing to the fellow disciples, saying, Jesus, do you love me more than these? And he said to them, yes, Lord, do you know that I love you? And Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. He's now giving him a task. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter felt hurt because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and go to wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. After this, he said to him, follow me. God, I pray this morning that you would add the blessing to the reading and the preaching of your word. Stir our hearts and challenge us in ways that we need to be challenged this day. We ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. When you come to the end of chapter 20 in John's gospel, where we found ourselves last week, it sounds like the end of John's gospel. It very well could have been. In the last verse of chapter 20, it says, these things have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. That's where we found ourselves last week. And it sounds like the ending of the gospel. Many of the writers in the scriptures with the letters and gospels and other books that we have talk about the purpose of their book, of their writing at the very beginning. And then John saved that, reserved it for the very end. And so chapter 21 was most likely added on uh, sometime later. But we have a third account of Jesus' post-resurrection appearance with his disciples uh, here by the shore. This is not a vision. Some people say the other accounts may have been a vision. Obviously, a vision would probably most likely not have involved the charcoal fire and the eating and the fellowship and all the different things that, that are involved in the story that we find ourselves in today. I didn't want to pause while I was reading this, but I, I don't know if you were taken back like I was in verse 11 where it says, now I don't know if anyone counted the fish that day, but obviously it, it gives us that impression that someone did. It said that the nets were so large, you know, they threw it on the other side and they brought in 153, although there were so many and the net was not torn. There's all kind of different uh, conclusions about why uh, numbers, you know, numbers are important in the scripture and why maybe 153 was important. And I don't want to go into all that. We don't have time for that this morning. But Jerome, who was popular in translating the Bible into Latin, uh, talks about these 153 fish as a possibility of, of them representing the kind of 153 different fish that were in the sea of Galilee. And he goes on to say with that, this number symbolizes the fact that someday all men of all nations will be gathered together in Christ. If the net stands for the church, then there is room in the net for all nations 
and for all people. This isn't a message specifically for the Jews or for the Gentiles or for those that lived in a particular geographic area, but this is a message for all people and for all times. And so that could have possibly been the reason for the 153, but I thought that needed mention. This passage also reminds us of the importance of the fishing industry in this day and age. We know this. Jesus called, we, we hear about James and John, the sons of Zebedee, as they were on the boat, and Jesus said, follow me, and they left the boat and followed Jesus. But throughout, we can't, it's hard to talk about the Gospels without some type of fishing story or story by the shore or the boats and the nets and mending the nets. It comes up in many different contexts. But the main theme in this passage today, this morning, is the restoration of Peter, The story of Peter's uh, restoration is the meat of this passage. Jesus asked Peter three times if he loved him. The first two, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but the first two times Jesus said to Peter, do you agapo, agapeo me, uh, signifying the love of commitment, a love of the will. Peter responded, I phileo you in the Greek. There's different words for love. I love you with a tender emotion. I love you with a deep affection and a deep fondness and friendship. Peter acknowledged that he loved Christ. And the Lord gave him the task of feeding his lambs and taking care of his sheep. I came across an anonymous quote this week that says, expressing love for Christ implies accepting a duty to do the work of God and to be faithful. As we think about uh, young James and and Madeline, we think about a lot of our youth and our children here at the church. um, We all have as individuals, as children of God, a task, a responsibility Uh, to fulfill as we seek God's will for our lives. And he has given us that task as well. Sometimes it's made clear and other times many of us, some or some are still discerning and still uh, praying about how God would fulfill that in our lives. Peter had difficulty with his faithfulness during Christ's earthly ministry. We looked at this several weeks ago as Peter denied Christ those three times there as Peter was arrested and taken to be tried and, and beaten that night uh, before the, cru- as Jesus was taken and tried that night before his crucifixion. But Jesus here, in symbolic fashion, um, asked Peter three times as a process of restoring Peter, Simon Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? And he asked him this question three different times. Jesus demonstrated complete forgiveness, and the Lord restored Peter to a position of leadership in the ongoing ministry of the gospel. Three things I want to share with you very quickly today as we think about God's will. I promised you that I would reveal God's will for your life, and here it is. The first one, the first truth is that God's will for our lives and for Peter's is is found in the end of verse 19. Did you catch it? It's in two words. Follow me. As we look at Peter's life, we are reminded that God's will comes regardless of our past. It didn't matter all the things that Peter had, had done. Uh, The fact is that God used Peter, and the fact is that God uses you and I as well, despite our mistakes, despite our flaws, despite our imperfections. And church, that this morning is good news. I think of the mistakes and the flaws and the times that I have not responded to God in the ways that, that I should have. And I look back on the fact that God has used me for his glory and for his church. And we're reminded as well that God didn't give up on Peter, and he doesn't give up on you and I as well. God wants us to use us for his glory. He wants, us, he wants to use us to advance his kingdom. And I'm grateful that God used, used flawed individuals in the scripture and that he still does that today as well. 
God's love not only restored Peter, but it also gave him a sense of purpose. It gave him a task. He said three different times, feed my sheep, shepherd my sheep, lead, lead my people, is what he was saying. This love and restoration involved a new responsibility for Peter. I want to share uh, an image with you on the screen, if we can get that up. Yesterday, or actually Friday night, Aiden and I had the privilege to go to uh, a camp. One of my best friends near Winston-Salem, uh, he has joined the Moravian Church. Uh, he was previously at another church, but he's gone to a camp. Is it up there? Oh, there it is. Okay. Uh, we've, we've gone to a camp uh, two years ago, and I did, to baptize uh, his older daughter. And I went to the camp, the same family camp. It was a Moravian family camp this weekend in West Jefferson, North Carolina, to baptize his younger daughter. And the camp was a wonderful experience. At the camp, uh, this man right here is an integral part of it. Uh, at night, he's leading all those crazy campfire songs that some of you may remember from days gone by or that you've heard. But his name, his nickname is Mr. Nature. His real name is Alan. But we went on a nature hike following the baptism. And you'll see in just a moment another picture and I have a towel around my neck. But we went on this, uh, we went on this hike and uh, along the way, he was stopping at different trees that are for the most part found within the mountains of Western North Carolina. As you might imagine, the Mountain Laurel and the hemlocks and some pines and some uh, red something oak. What's it called? Uh, red pin oak or something like that. But he was walking and showing us these things. And so along the way, what would happen invariably at times is we had children from very young children up to youth who were there. And I'm grateful that Aiden and I were able to go together. And uh, if, if we weren't careful... Some of the group, would, as, as the group as a large group, as we kind of went up through the trail following Mr. Nature, uh, there would be a family that needed to go back to camp for some reason. And so they would kind of break off and go. And so it was temp you kind of had to find Mr. Nature, who you just saw, and to make sure you were following him back or to where you needed to go, or else you may not end up where you you thought you were. But along the way, we were introduced to a lot of different plants and wildlife and things like this in, in the mountains. We saw some critters along the way. But then you saw the picture of Aiden and I, and I had the towel around me because we just came from the baptism, but a beautiful view in the background there. And it was a wonderful, wonderful weekend. And I'm grateful that Aiden and I were able to go and to do that and to celebrate with my friend. But it was important for us when we were on that hike yesterday. I just had to show those pictures. But when we were on that hike, it was important for us that we had an idea of where Mr. Nature was and to keep up with him as he guided us uh, down, down that track. The second point that I wanted to point out with about uh, God's call on our lives, not only is he called us to follow him, but God's call to follow him comes regardless of the cost. I said on Easter that the power of the resurrection, when we begin to take it seriously in our lives and allow God to move and work in us, it is not always an easy call. This call was not an easy call for Peter. We know because of, 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 of church history, but also of Jesus and his words here about what's P, what Peter's life would end up like. Most likely we know from church history that he was also crucified, but uh, history tells us possibly upside down on a cross as well. And so we see that in the life of Peter, and we also reminded of that for us, that the call of God on our lives, when we are asked to follow him, it's not always an easy call. It's not always an easy uh, following that we are asked to, uh, to live out. Uh, this last week up at uh, what well, used to be Kangaroo, I don't know what it's called now, a little gas station up in, up in town here, I ran into Leland Kerr. Many of you know Leland Kerr, former pastor at Eastside Baptist and also former DOM, I believe, in Cleveland County. And he said, Keith, guess what? Come here. And he opened the door and, popped and, and, and Jason stepped out, his son. Jason is home now for a few, I think months actually. And so Jason, Jason and I went through school together and we were able to talk there briefly at the gas station, but I was surprised to see him uh, pop out of Leland's uh, SUV that day. 
But the call of God sometimes affects some families like it does for Leland. We raise our kids up to hear about missions and to know about missions, and then our kids come home one day and say, Mom and Dad, I feel called to the mission field. Sometimes the call of God is like that. Sometimes it's not always easy. And sometimes as as grandparents, we want our kids to know the Lord and to follow the Lord. And sometimes those grandchildren come home and say, we feel called. And we know as parents and as grand, maybe as those of you that are grandparents, that that's not always an easy calling. And it may not be in a mission field setting. It may be that God calls us at times to forgive people who simply don't deserve it. It may be that God's calling us to be kind to people who are undeserving. It may be that God's call leads us and challenges us in ways that we would have never thought. And the last point this morning, God's, God, God's call comes regardless of what anyone else might do. You follow me. If you read on past the passage of scripture this morning in verse 20, Peter turning around saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. The one who also had leaned back on his bosom at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? So Peter looks back, he sees John. So Peter seeing him said to Jesus, Peter recognized this close relationship between John and Jesus. And he said, Lord, what about this man? And Jesus reminded Peter of something that we all need to be reminded of. Jesus said to him, if I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. God's will plays out in different ways for pastors, for missionaries, for music ministers, children, youth, for uh, other leaders within the church, within the body of Christ. But Jesus reminds Peter here today, no matter what my will is for John, you follow me. A lot of times when we learn about the downfall of a minister, when we learn about someone who's really messed things up and we looked up to them, we admired them, and we seek maybe at times to follow them, we're reminded through this passage today, that God's will plays out in different ways for all of us. But yet my will is not Justin Webb's will or Julie Dave's will. God, God's will for my life is that I follow him and be obedient. That's something that is similar to all of us. But God's specific will for me doesn't look like God's specific will for you. And, P, and excuse me, Jesus is reminding Peter of that today or in in the passage he says if I want him to remain until I come what is that to you you follow me never mind the task that I've given to someone else your job is to follow me and that is what he still says to you and I today regardless of what your friend your parent or other leader your job and God's will for your life is to follow him others will let you down Others will disappoint you. Others will make mistakes. But God's will for my life and for yours is to follow Jesus. I want to ask you a question today. How do you see yourself in this story that we've just read? Do you see yourself as Peter, as someone in need of restoration? As someone that just needs to be reminded that, look, yeah, you know, you, you know you've messed up. God knows you've messed up. But you need to hear those words from Jesus those words of healing, those words of hope, those words of love, that he still has a plan and a purpose for your life. In verse 19, and then again later in John 21, Jesus says to Peter, follow me. How are you and I, and how are we doing at following Jesus? The simple command that he asked of all the disciples to follow me. Are you following Jesus? As you follow, are you following Jesus as a dad, as a husband? as a wife, as a mother, as a coworker, as a boss, 
as a member of this community and as a member of this nation and our planet Earth? Are we following Jesus in all aspects of our life? Will you pray with me? God, I love you and I thank you that you call us imperfect children of God to follow you. We're reminded that many throughout the scriptures messed up, they missed the mark. But Lord, we're reminded as well as we see the bigger picture that you used them. And many of them went on, they may have, think about Peter, he denied you, but we think about Peter going to the ends of the earth and giving his very life for the sake of the gospel. Your spirit, trans, your, your life and your spirit in Peter transformed him. And Father, we pray that your spirit would do the same in us. We also know, Lord, that it's not always easy. Peter and the other disciples give us clear examples of that throughout your scripture. So Father, give us the courage and the strength that we need to follow you. We must admit that we don't have all the answers. And again, we've missed the mark. But Father, today restore us if that is needed and challenge us today to give full commitment to a life of discipleship, to a life of looking to Jesus and following Jesus even on the toughest days. We ask this prayer in Jesus' name, amen. If you're here today and you've never made that simple commitment to follow Jesus and invite him into your life, I would ask you and challenge you and urge you to do that today. If you're here today and would wanna renew that commitment or make a commitment to join and follow through with, um, well, follow through with baptism, but also follow through with membership here at Bowling Springs, uh, you are invited to come and let's talk together. Let's stand and sing. We're gonna sing a great uh, chorus. I say hymn, I'm not sure of the classification. Uh, will you come and follow me? A great summary of where we've gone this morning. Hymn number 473, let's stand and sing.
you remain standing for just one moment, I'm going to ask um, Chelsea to come up here and join me. Chelsea and Josh Skinner. Josh, come on up here with uh, Oliver. And we have uh, one on the way as well, I believe. Josh grew up here and is a member of uh, Boiling Springs Baptist, but Chelsea wanted to come and um, place her membership here. She is, um, has accepted Christ and has been baptized at Zion Baptist, is that right? Mm-hmm. And is coming by transfer of letter. And what is the pleasure of the church regarding Chelsea and joining Boiling Springs? All right, all in favor, uh, if you'll raise your hand, wave at her. All right, any like sign? All right. Well, welcome to Bowling Springs Baptist. They have been a regular part of our worship and our uh, Wednesday nights and other activities with our children for some time now. And so uh, we're glad to have you, Chelsea, in this capacity and glad to have each of you here uh, with your new church home. This little guy is, is uh, ready to go on Wednesday nights with uh, supper and you can get to know the family there uh, as well. But I'm going to ask them if they would just kind of hang out down front and you guys can come by and, and greet them and welcome them. But Chelsea, welcome to, to Bowling Springs Baptist and we look forward to celebrating with you here again in a few months. With um, our, our nursery is, is, is growing quite rapidly. Um, but uh, let's pause for a word of prayer. Uh, I haven't looked at the program. Let's, let's pause for prayer. Lord, we thank you for this day. We rejoice with, with, little, with uh, James and the, the Webb's new edition. Father, we rejoice with Madeline and the scholarship that was offered this morning. Father, challenge us all to help us as we seek to follow you daily in our lives. Bless this family. We thank you for the Skinners and we ask for your blessings on them today as well. Bless our feed the flock and the meal that we will partake. And Father, may all truly feel welcome to come and to join us for this special time. We love you, Lord. We thank you for all that you've done with us and among us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome. Thank you. This is great. Thank you.